Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Well, it wasn't the easiest game, but Georgia is 3-0. and We're going to take a look at how banged up these dogs are and hear everything about Georgia's visitor list coming off that big South Carolina game to kick off the SEC season. It's the Georgia Show. Time to fire it up. Better never rest. Is the Georgia show Rusty Manziel, Jake Rowe? We'll get y'all in here as uh, we break down Georgia's game over South Carolina, twenty-four to fourteen. And uh, it wasn't always easy, fellas. But look, you're three and zero. Carson Beck is easing into the offense, maybe not as fast as people thought that he should. But uh, Georgia is one and zero in SEC play, and uh, that's where you got to start, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought about it today, and you know, the reason why we have a job, people care. But Georgia's three and zero, where they won twenty games in a row, I think now, and yep. they find a way. I said it last night. Georgia got hit in the mouth, and a lot of um, kind of kudos to South Carolina. They came in. I can't even imagine what Shane Beamer told his team all week. They were four touchdown underdogs, uh, you know, at Georgia and. You know, you had to use that, and you have Spencer Rattler, who's a, a really good quarterback. I think he started – Jake, you might know, I think he started 10 for 10 at one point and, you know, made some really big throws and kind of had Georgia reeling, especially on that first scripted series. Uh, they kind of picked Georgia apart. And I said this last night, 
as the game went on, it changed. But I thought Georgia, for the first time in a long time, to me, on defense, uh, they looked slow-footed. But uh, they definitely were a different football team with a little bit different energy and juice in the second half. Yeah, they did start 10-10. Uh, I was impressed with him. I really was. I think he's gotten a lot better. Different quarterback than we saw. I think, you know, that whole um, – I, I was I was honestly rolling my eyes a little bit this offseason of all the talk about Dow Loggins and – um, oh man, Spencer Rattler's just, you know, he's looking great. He's looking awesome. And uh, I, we saw him look great late last year. So I wasn't really, you know, ready to say why it was going to be the case if he, if he did look good. But um, you know, I, I thought, yeah, I, I didn't necessarily, I just thought Georgia was kind of out of it mentally on that first drive a little bit. They, wide open guy here, uh, you know, uh, uh, not, and not necessarily a busted coverage, just getting run off a little bit, maybe out there to play a little lackadaisical. Um, you know, and then you get them third and 15, you get some energy in the, in the stadium. They just let the air out of you with a tunnel screen. And, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why, you know, you fight so hard to keep the opposing team out of your red zone. Um, but you're a hundred percent right. Rusty Georgia took a, took one on the chin and they're going to take more than that on the chin. Um, and one thing, they, let me interject here right here, Jake, too, you know, this on, on the X and O side, this is the second time that Spencer Rattler has faced Georgia. So he knew mm -hmm. all off season, what they did to him, how they played him and how he could make adjustments. So he made his adjustments. Georgia had to make theirs. But you had to think – he, you know, he made a, he made a comment I, I caught last week, and he said, hey, we like what we're going to try to do to Georgia. So they had a package in place, a lot of quick game stuff they were throwing. But yeah, it's kind of like that baseball model facing a pitcher, you know, the second time around, third time around. He had to know how Georgia's going to try to play him and a little bit different personnel this time, especially with Javon Buller being off, off the field, Jake. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, I, I thought that they got they got a hold of David Daniel uh, Sisavon a couple of times. I mean, they they kind of spun him around a little bit on a deep over route at one point. There was also a deep over route where he got matched on with Xavier Leggett, and uh, I, Javon Bullard's going to lose that one. Um, you know, any strong safety in the country is going to lose that matchup with that particular wide receiver. We talked on the phone last night, Rusty. You said where you said where the hell did he come from? Yeah, and God. and I, I, it's boy dog, absolutely. Man. In person, I saw him in pregame. I was like, wait a minute, because I was there. Like when South Carolina came out, I was standing right there, and he was one of the first ones that started warming up with, with Rattler. And I was like, damn, that, that dude is big. And then you start watching him run fluid routes with some speed. And uh, listen, I know they lost Juice Wells and they've had some injuries over there, but whoever South Carolina plays the rest of the year, that guy is going to be a problem. And I'm not going to lie to you. I started thinking about Saturday, Sundays. I was like, man, I hope the Falcons get a hold of that guy. <laughs> um, overall, though, uh, you know, I think what you run into here, and I wrote this in our, my postgame observations, um, it's kind of confusing. It, it really is kind of confusing because you know as a fan that both teams are in there. The team that – struggled in the red zone and, and gave up 14 in the first half and a third and 15 and some big plays and let South Carolina drive the entire field twice and and was only able to muster three points out of two you know red zone possessions. That team's in there. But you also know the team that, that came out and, and absolutely dominated the second half. I'm talking about came out there, put South Carolina in a sleeper hold, got the bicep up under the chin, flexed it, and just – waited until the lights came out, and that was how it went. So, you know both teams are in there, and it's Kirby Smart's job to make sure that that second-half team starts to sprawl a little bit and becomes 
the three quarter team and then the three and a half quarter team. And then when it's time, the fourth quarter team. Well, it's kind of a mixed bag for South Carolina because you saw the team that came off of last season uh, upset minded, beating Clemson, uh, beating Tennessee. And they came in with a full head of steam between the hedges and were playing that same kind of ball. But then in the second half, you had the team that gave up a million sacks to UNC. So a mixed bag for both teams. The thing that Kirby Smart said that kind of caught my attention coming into the game to the uh, Georgia Bulldogs radio crew was, hey, you know, South Carolina's got a little bit of an advantage because the Gamecocks have played a four-quarter game. And, guys, I still don't think Georgia has played a four-quarter game. Jake, you, you referenced this a uh, few days ago. You know, at least when Georgia struggled against Sanford and Kent State, you knew that they had that Oregon game in there. You know, Georgia hasn't put that together against the caliber of competition that we've seen it uh, in, in, you know, over last season. So I still don't know what this Georgia team is. You know, I was hoping to learn a thing or two coming out of South Carolina, but both teams are in there. Who are they really going to be when uh, Georgia needs it the most? I'll, I'll say this on, on that, and and that's a great point about not having a four-quarter game at I talked to a staffer down on the field, not an on-the-field coach, but before the game, a guy that works inside the butts mirror, and I said, what do you think? And he said, hey, we're going to find out about our team today. We're going to find out a lot about our team today. We don't know either. And, you know, you hear Kirby talk about creating identity, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They're still trying to find things. Now, here, here, let me give you a couple of things here that I dug into tonight. And I don't think people realize what is actually – I know you talk about it, but I don't think you really realize what's going on with this time and the new clock rules. So let me give you Georgia's offensive possessions in the first half. Seven minutes and 54 seconds, they kick a field goal. Punt, they get the next one. Two minutes, 12 seconds, they punt. Then they go six minutes, drive, back down the field, and they miss a chip shot field goal. Then they get the ball for 46 seconds, and the half is over. So they basically had three possessions in the first half. I mean, this clock is flying. Now, let me tell you what happens when you get stops on defense. Georgia had seven possessions in the second half. And then, oh, by the way, two drives that scored touchdowns to start the second half. So getting stops and and your possessions not missing field goals. It was crazy yesterday. If we didn't have 4,000 commercials, that game could have been really, really quick. And I was, you know, when you look at it, really three possessions is what they had in the first half of an SEC football game. So you look at that and what's going on. I started thinking about how is this going to affect teams, you know, the rest of the season. But I'll tell you this, standing on the sideline the second half, when they inserted Ra Ra Thomas and Jake, we talked about it last night. I, I, it felt different to me. You know, he immediately gets a 36-yard uh, pass right down the middle of the field. Great throw by Carson Beck. Then they come back with a third. I think it was third and seven. Yeah. And he runs that, he runs that slant route. He beats his guy one-on-one off the line. And they set that up too, Rusty. They ran quads away from him. They motioned yeah. to four receivers to the left so that they could get him one-on-one and hit the slant. So they, they were definitely trying to trying to get that ball to Ra-Ra Thomas on that slant right there. And I don't know who put him in. I don't know if Mike Bobo's been trying to put him in. I don't know if Kirby Smart was trying to put – whoever put Ra-Ra Thomas – into the game, and I mean full-time, tuck that away for the rest of the year because when Ra Ra Thomas, Dominic Lovett, and when they get and when they get Lad McConkey back, that is going to be some matchup issues. And at some point, you got to turn this guy loose. He's a really good player, and they just look different to me. Dejon Edwards was the most important P 
piece of the puzzle that Georgia added yesterday. But remember this right now. Rod Thomas getting inserted into this lineup the second half, down double digits. And what he showed me he could do, that is a, one of those notes you remember for the rest of the year. Let's see where this thing goes with it. Dejon was the story of, of the game for me. Um, Georgia showing some heart in being able to come back and following Kirby Smart's advice to just take it one play at a time. I know it's a cliche, but that's what Georgia had to do, and it helped them get the win. And the missed field goals, those were the, the three stories for me yesterday. And there were a lot of them in there. You know, the Amarius Mims injury was a big one. Um, I'm curious, Ro, what did you notice other than Ra-Ra? Uh, what was the switch flipping moment that helped Georgia turn it around in the second half for you? I mean, I, it's just – I think it was halftime, honestly. Because, you know, Kirby's saying after the game, and I don't always put a ton of stock into what Kirby says because I know it's messaging and I know it's head coach and I know it's coach speak. But I, I really do think, you know, from talking to people that were at that first – or that second scrimmage, um, you know, Kirby said this is the best leadership team he's had. It's the best uh, connected team he had. And I think you get they got in there at halftime. I think they started to look each other in the eyeballs and say, all right, guys, you know. Uh, we're, we're down 11 points, and, uh, you know, we've been here before. Uh, you know, we're trailing Ohio State and with everything on the line. Going into the fourth quarter, you trail Missouri going into the fourth quarter. Been here before, no panic. That crowd out there is on our side. Let's go get them back in it and win this ball game. And I, I think that was the turning point. But I'll say my biggest takeaway was how many different players helped Georgia win that ball game yesterday. Yep. Um, that was – because Rusty mentions Ra Ra, you got Dominic Lovey, you got Brock Bowers doing ridiculous stuff, you got Dejan Edwards, Kendall Milton's taking friendly fire over here in the in the comments, and that's fine. I get it. Everybody's gonna have an opinion. Let me tell you something. Right after Ra Ra caught that thirty-six yard pass, Kendall Milton hurdled a dude, ran over a dude, and broke three, four more tackles to pick up fifteen yards, and the place went bananas. Yeah, George scored two plays later, you know, and I'm not saying, oh, well, we need to give him the Heisman for one 15-yard run, but, you know, you, you, that's part of it. You know, Nazir Stackhouse with a sack. Um, you know, Darius Smith with a huge pressure late in that game. 19. 19. Yeah. 19. He's got to play. I, I mean, he looks I don't know. Different, man. He, he looks he different. Doesn't have, he doesn't have to start, okay? But I don't care. How, if 19's not – if 19's on the field, Georgia's a better football team. Agreed. I mean, that, that guy can go get it. And listen, we're not going to compare it to a lot of other things, but I'm going to tell you something. When you look at 19 and you look at the length, he looks just like Adam Anderson and, and way Georgia used him on the field and what he did. And uh, I think he's already a little heavier, you know, to be honest, if, if you want to get technical with it. The first time, the first time they put him in, I watched him come in. The first time they put him in on a third down, he got a pressure right off the bat. And, yeah. uh, that guy, man, he's just different. And, you know, maybe he doesn't hold up against a run quite yet. And I understand that. I understand that that logic to it. But they got to find ways to just – you know, remember, you guys remember when Leonard Floyd was there, he was just too small at first. But he was so fast, they just brought him in and said, look, turn him loose. And, uh, you know, the Georgia's got to find a way to get 19 more involved. And I guarantee you, when they see that tape, they sit down and look at stuff and who they're going to face down the line. Darius Smith is going to be a guy that's going to be an important piece of the puzzle for Georgia. No doubt. Uh, guys, uh, Ro, you mentioned, <laughs> I think it was today or last night in, in your post-game thoughts, this is the most banged-up Georgia team you can remember covering. And yeah, I've never covered deep. one more banged up. Uh, there have been some pretty 
rotten luck Georgia teams in the past several years since you've been doing this. Um, how's Georgia getting it done? They're just deep. You know, they're deep. They're physical. Um, you know, that one of the things that Georgia's able to do is if they're – okay, they're not hitting you with experience, but they're hitting you with talent. You know, and, and that's – you know, experienced talent is the best you can get, right? But, you know, if you got to choose between one or the other, if you've got to say, hey, I, I need an experienced player that's not very talented or I need a talented player that's not very experienced, I do believe if you caught Kirby Smart in a moment of candor, you might have to do that actually. Um, I think he'd probably tell you he'd rather have a talented player with no experience. And I'm not saying that's all George is going with, but, you know, Ra-Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett are prime examples. Um, George's offense is not easy to learn. Um, it's a pro-style offense, and there's a lot going on in it. And I think both of those guys have a ton to learn. Um, and they're, they're building chemistry with their quarterback. Um, you know, so, so you know, you're, you're missing Lad McConkey, but you got those guys. Um, you know, listen, I, I got to pat Stacey Searles on the back here just a little bit because I know the offensive line has had some struggles. But him and Xavier Trust deserve a lot, a lot of credit because, you know, you, you talk about being banged up. Amarius Mims, your best, most talented offensive lineman, leaves the field. And um, Xavier Trust played some of his best ball. I mean, it, Rusty, it reminded me of one of our favorites, one of the best dudes we ever covered. As a Hold recruit. that picture, West. Go ahead, Jake. Don't don't leave that picture, West. I got a comment on that. But go ahead, Jake. But one of the best dudes we ever covered, Kendall Baker, one you know, one of the coolest kids you'll ever meet. Um, oh, yeah. 2018 Florida game. He had lost his left left guard job in the preseason camp to Solomon Kinley. Andrew Thomas, I believe, same injury, rolls an ankle uh, or yep. against uh, against Florida. Kendall Baker, Kendall Baker steps in at left tackle, had never played left tackle in his Georgia career, balled out, played played tremendous. It reminded me a lot of that performance, and that's the kind of stuff. Listen, I know, I know, I know that offensive line coaches are judged on, well, are you keeping your quarterback clean and are you able to run the ball at will against the other team? I get that. That's that's part of the, That comes with the territory. Stacey Searles makes a lot of money to take that criticism. But I think it also says a lot when you lose a big piece and you've got somebody ready to play ball in their place. And uh, Xavier Trust deserves, deserves a lot of credit because he was stinking it up at left guard that first drive. I'll be the first to say that. Uh, but, but he stepped in at right tackle and played some really, really good football. And sometimes that challenge um, combined with readiness is all those guys need. But that's, that's it to me, Wes, to, to answer your question on the whole is get, I think they, they do a good job of getting a lot of guys reps and getting them ready to play. I'm interested in what Rusty has to say about his picture, though. I mean, have you ever seen a six eight, and he's six seven and a half, six eight for real, three hundred and thirty pound guy hop on one foot from the numbers to the tent? I don't know how athletic that guy, but that I mean, literally, like it, it should be an Olympic event. If it's they don't do it already. It's possible to do that? What he did. So I'm leaving last night with our coworker Jeremy Johnson, and I, and and Jeremy's taking me back to get my car. It was parked at a different spot, and uh, Mims is in the parking deck where we are. And I'm telling you right now, he put the two biggest crutches that I've ever seen in the history of America in the back of his car, like he had two step ladders. That's how big that guy was. Now, do I know what's going on with him? I don't. But he was in a boot, and he was walking around in that boot. You know, I mean, was he? Was he, he looked fluid? No, but uh, I really, when you watch that, him come off the field like that, I, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. And that, you don't want to, you know, bring up kind of 
applaud an injury, but what that guy did, how athletic he is to do that was crazy. But, uh, you know, trust played well when he got moved over to Jake. I think Jake highlighted that. And, you know, we talked a little bit about that. You know, you got a little more reaction time and he's got length. I mean, trust is probably six, seven. When you're at a guard, it's in your face quickly. Um, you know, when you're out there, right tackle, you got a little bit of space, you got a little bit of reactionary time. So, you know, I think that helped trust a little bit and I think it helps him with a length. So, you know, kudos to, you know, Matt Luke um, and Stacy Searles. And, and some, of the, some of these guys are, you know, one or two of these guys left are really Sam Pittman guys. I think Mims and, and, and uh, Tate Ratledge both were at one point either committed or verbal committed to him. So there's still a couple, you know, Sam Pittman guys lingering around. So the depth they have, you know, Fairchild, Michael Morris, those guys, Jared Wilson. Um, they got some depth there. They, can't, they don't want to take a bunch of injuries, but it showed you yesterday when you lose – that guy's a first-round NFL first-rounder right there. And when you lose him for maybe a couple of weeks or wherever they lost him, and you plug and play him with another six-foot-seven guy, and, and, you, and, you, and you really get some positive results, it says a lot about the coaching and the recruiting to get those Jimmys and Joes. Um, I, see a, I see a guy in the comment here, uh, famous J1. I know, listen, a lot of folks say this, Mims left tackle, Rusty – I think we've said it a bunch of times. I'm going to be absolutely shocked if that happens. I just don't think that's that's not where he feels comfortable. Um, not, that, he, does not, he does not want to play left, from what yeah, I understand. That's, that's not where. That's just not going to happen for him. I, I honestly, I, I think I think I heard right there at the beginning of camp there was a couple days in practice where they let him rep a few times at left tackle, or you know, or, or they you know that kind of thing. I, they're not going to move him there full time. So I think that's something. And I, I you know, honestly, I, I honestly believe like when Mims comes back, which you know, Rusty, after looking at that injury a little bit, um, it looked like he got rolled up on from the outside, which usually means high ankle sprain. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I we'll wait and talk to Kirby about that tomorrow. But just piecing some things together, not going to shock me if he's out until Florida. Um, you know, yeah. not until after the bye week. So if he's out that long. And you got Dylan Fairchild and Micah Morris and maybe Jared Wilson repping in there at guard while he's gone. And Xavier Trust is repping at right tackle. And you get Austin Blasky back here in the next couple, two or three weeks. Maybe he reps out there a little bit as well. Um, you know, I could see a situation where, you know, Georgia's, you know, maybe makes the move there with Xavier Trust and kind of makes him that third or fourth tackle. And they try to get him in the mix there a little bit more because uh, he, he hasn't been playing guard as well as he played it last year. Um, you know, that's just all there is to it. And I don't know if it's some moving around or whatever, but, you know, I think Georgia's got a lot of guys ready to play ball. And, um, you know, I never thought I'd see anybody suggest Xavier Trust at left tackle after the 2020 Peach Bowl, but here we are. Um, and, and I think they would be fine. Somebody, um, asked, somebody asked again why Mims wouldn't play left tackle, and, I, and I'll, I'll give you my opinion because he's not crazy and he knows he's a first-rounder. Why change positions right now? I mean, yeah. he's got a tape. He's athletic. He is a one percentile guy, and he's playing a position that he is very comfortable with. And if a team wants to try him out left tackle in the next league, well, they're going to pay him $20 million to try that out. So right now, Marius Mims is going to be a first-rounder. He likes playing right tackle. He's comfortable there. Georgia's got depth, and I get it. Darnell Wright just made a boatload of money playing right tackle, getting drafted number oh, yeah. 10 overall. And yep. Marius is that type of athlete, so – it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, and if you need a ticket for Georgia and UAB or any Georgia football game this season, head on over to gametime.co and use the code DOGS, and that will get you $20 off 
of your first order that you complete on GameTime.co. It's not GameTime.com. Go to GameTime.co. If you're still looking for uh, tickets against the Blazers, nice night game between the hedges under the lights, see the light show. You're getting in for uh, 140 bucks right now, right here in section 107, and put that code dogs in. That's 120 bucks for you. Uh, wherever you want to go, whichever game you need, GameTime.co is your last-minute ticket option. Download the app. All those terms apply. Uh, hang out over at GameTime.co. Had a couple buddies use our promo this weekend. Got into uh, some pretty sweet seats right here around the 30 to see Georgia come back and beat South Carolina. So you can do the same thing, GameTime.co, or download the app, use the code DOGS, and pick up these tickets whenever you need them. They will awesome. be a hot item for the rest of the season. All right, uh, Rusty, we had some big recruiting names on the visitor list for Georgia this weekend. K.J. Bolden, people wondering if he's going to flip. Uh, you had Aiden Breland. All these big dogs that Georgia's trying to check in on, what were the takeaways for you as uh, the dogs tried to impress the next batch, the next breed of Georgia Bulldog? Well, with Georgia having so many players committed already in the 2024 class, it was a, you know, kind of a, you stand there and you look at like Dylan Raiola, you know, Daniel Calhoun, all those guys that were there, Sokovi White, Justin Williams. I mean, all these guys that were there as commits and they were just kind of hanging out and enjoying. But you certainly start thinking about those pieces of the puzzle left in 2024. KJ Bolden being there, it was a big deal. And uh, Kirby Smart, we did confirm, met with him and his family before the game. Uh, K.J. Bow was there with J uh, Jaden Perlate, the linebacker that's committed to Georgia from Buford in the 2025 class. Uh, he was on the field, midfield with Dylan Raola and, and those guys. So Aiden Breland, he was here with his teammate, Nate Frazier. And, um, you know, that was a California group. And they were in here until around 1 o'clock today, I believe. And, you know, we'll have more on this, but I think the news is the time. And I had somebody tell me, man, Kirby got done with his press conference last night. And as soon as he got done with his press conference, he was straight back to the Buttsmere building and started meeting with recruits. And it tells you it's nonstop. They had so many good players there. I think they met with recruits almost until 1030 last night. So you think about that. Uh, Kirby asked those kids, certain ones, to stay and stay over uh, until that was over with. And uh, Michael Burrow, the defensive lineman from Creekside, had just decommitted. He's another 2024 prospect, decommitted from Florida on Monday. I believe he's six foot five, three seventy. And uh, you know Georgia likes that big body zero technique. So uh, Georgia had a, it was a big day. Why it turned up into a, a big time uh, recruiting event. And I'll say this about our guys at Dog HQ. Jeremy Johnson, Jake Roosh, and Chad Simmons got on this thing, and they put me on a text thread. And, I i mean, dead serious. I had to turn notifications on mute because they were just blowing that thing up. I've got this guy. Here's this message. And by lunch today, we had 20-something reactions. Uh, they've already got 30-something reactions from top targets. We'll have some more notes first thing in the morning on this. So, uh, spend one buck, man. Don't get a coffee tomorrow morning at your local gas station. Spend a dollar. Join Dogs HQ and read all about because this that, that particularly yesterday could end up being the biggest home game recruiting list of 2024 for Georgia. No doubt. Take Dogs HQ for a spin, buck for a month. 
and uh, check everything out. Not only do we have this story that I pulled up here, recruits reacting, we got uh, tons of features on different guys, profiles, quotes, hearing what they thought about a great Georgia atmosphere, guys. So on that note, let's do some dog stocks, and I'm still going to say stock up on Georgia. And uh, I know that may not be a popular opinion after a game that looked a lot more difficult than it should be, but a lot of the things we talked about tonight, uh, Georgia coming back, Georgia – uh, finding a little bit of the run game. Georgia believing that it can stare down an 11-point deficit like that and still come back and win. Dogs getting a lot of reps of guys that are filling in for injured players. Right now you're building a team that, while it may not be the dominant force it was last year, let's not forget, you're still bringing in a new quarterback. I know you all have thoughts on him. And a new offensive coordinator. It was never going to be easy to replace both of those things and just come out and dominate. But I think right now – you still haven't lost a game, and you're still improving week by week as the competition gets a little bit harder. You put some good stuff on tape. Now uh, go work on it against UAB under the lights on Saturday night. So I'm saying stock up on the dogs, guys. I'm going to buy stock. I, I'm not stock up, not stock down. I am buying stock. I'm buying stock in every one of these guys that that my, my Georgia folks are down on. So Carson Beck, I'm going to buy some stock in him. We'll go buy some stock in Jamon Dumas Johnson because you guys are trying to run him off. Um, I'm going to buy some stock in Kendall Milton for when he gets healthy because he's dinged up again. And, uh, you know, tough break there. Um, going to buy, buy, I'm going to buy a little stock in Mike Bobo too. And the reason I'm going to buy stock is you knuckleheads tried to run Stetson Bennett off too, okay? And I wish I had a boss some stock in him at the time. But I'm going to buy stock in all those dudes. Um, in all seriousness, uh, you know, I, I keep going back to this and, and, you know, the whole Carson Beck thing. And I think Georgia fans are their own worst enemy when it comes to Carson. And there was a lot of talk of Heisman Trophy finalist again for a Georgia quarterback, one and done. He's going to go to the NFL. He's going to be a top 10 pick. And listen, he still may go to the NFL. Like he's been in, he's been in Athens for a while. It's time. He might think it's time to make the next step. Um, but all this coming out of the gate, dominating. Folks, Stetson Bennett wasn't the version we'll always remember Stetson Bennett being until he had played about a 1,000 meaningful snaps at Georgia. About a 1,000. Carson Beck hasn't played 200 meaningful snaps at Georgia yet. If he has, it's barely 200. So um, I, I think he's going to get better, y'all. And I think that the proof um, is what we have seen within ball games because not we've seen him we've seen him play bad in pretty much every game thus far but we've also seen him correct it and get it right in pretty much every game thus far so uh we'll see how it goes you know we'll see how it goes in the long term but uh, i'm buying stock in them because y'all are down on them and i can buy high i'm buy low and sell high later on <laughs> i like that i like that um i agree 100 and and i was looking at some sec stats today just Going around is crazy that I saw that Georgia has had 117, I think, offensive snaps. So he hadn't got to 200 yet, Jake. So you're getting close. Um, long way to go there. And listen, I'll say two quick things before I get to stock up. I watched Carson Beck yesterday, and I really believe that second half, he kind of – you could feel him kind of – listen, they were down 11 points with no momentum. And they got it going, and I felt like he turned it loose. I felt like he made some throws 
even if they were incomplete, challenged some guys. And, um, you know, he threw a couple of balls on the money, had a couple of drop balls. Uh, he is still learning, but he he right now seems to be getting better to me. And that second half, I mean, it just felt different to me. They were able to do some things. And I felt like Georgia had no um, – they had no opportunity to sit back on. They couldn't just play defense and win that game. They were down two touchdowns. They had to let it rip, let it ride, and they inserted Rod Rod Thomas, did some things. Uh, Dylan Bell didn't get enough mention from us tonight. The things he does, scored again, another touchdown, running the ball. Uh, so, with that said, my stock up tonight for me is Dejan Edwards. And I said this last week, and, you know, Wes made a a, um, a short out of it or whatever he does on our social media. And I had a couple of people, you know, that I know kind of emailed me and got into me a little bit, you know. But I stand by that. Sorry about said, that. No, no, no. No, I stand by what I said last week about the running backs. But I will say tonight, Georgia's running game was fantastic. Dejon Edwards was exactly what Georgia needed. And I wanted to see people break tackles. I wanted to see people run between those creases and instead of only getting three, get seven, get eight, finish runs. Georgia finished runs yesterday. That run by Kendall Milton that Jake brought up was a huge play. I was standing right there on that part of the sideline. The entire sideline went crazy. Uh, they were fighting. He was fighting from yards, made a good move, made a guy, uh, made a linebacker miss, jumped over him one-on-one there. So, you know, that's what you want to see. And if Georgia can run the football until they get people healthy, if Georgia can run the football, they're going to be really, really tough to beat down the line. And I think they're going to get better and better and better. And I remind people this, Wes, familiar with this, Jake, familiar with this. In 2007, Georgia got beat 35 to 14 at, in Knoxville, and they looked anemic. They looked awful. With Matt Stafford, all those guys, they looked like they didn't belong. And as the year went on, they got better, and they got better, and they got better. And that was the best offense in America at the end of the year. Now, are they going to get that high? I don't know. But there's always room to grow. And, oh, by the way, Mike Bobo was the offense coordinator of that group. So, you look at those things and say there's so much room to grow. And I'll say this, too. They don't have Lad McConkey, And we don't know when he's coming back. But he will come back. And he is, to me, their best route runner. So if you can put him in there, there's no telling what they're going to do with him. Some of those plays are going to be able to do with him. But uh, stock up, man. Dajan Edwards and those guys. But he was exactly what Georgia needed yesterday. And I'll tell you right now, without him, they don't win that game yesterday. Those 118 yards he gave was invaluable. They were huge. Yep. All right. I'll make a clip out of that, Rusty. You can send that to everybody that is giving me crap. <laughs> That's uh, all right. Well, I, listen, I guess big boy world. I'm going to make my comment, stand behind it. But yeah, I did get a few messages from people that, that would probably surprise you. That's okay. It's big boy world. Hey, we can't always just lay down the company line. You know, we, there's a lot to like about this team. And we're going to agree with y'all when you see stuff you don't like. And we're going to maybe try to calm you down a little bit too if you're if you're overreacting a little bit too much. But three games in, guys, I think the best news for Georgia is – you're finding out that you're a little bit dangerous. You still got a little bit of that competitive fire when you get punched in the mouth. And uh, by the way, nobody else in the country is exactly looking dominant right now either. So Georgia can take that and run with it. Hey, I tweeted it today, man. Uh, college football is wide open. And the staffs out there that are the best at, at developmental, um, you know, coaching at, at developing players and can have the culture – 
to have guys continue to buy in, they're going to have a big advantage on the rest of the country because yeah. it's, what what happens in in game fourteen and fifteen and who gets there this year is going to depend a lot on who gets better from here on out because everybody's gettable. Texas is gettable. Florida State's gettable. Georgia's gettable. I told Rusty last night. I said, "Man, we need to say this on the show tomorrow night." Guys, that's not the last game you're going to see like that this year. That's, that's the, it's true. not. It's, that's not the last game you're going to see. Georgia's going to have to gut it out once or twice or maybe three more times this year. It's not going to be the last time you see that. Winning fifth, winning the third straight national title is hard because, number one, you thought you got your best shot from everybody last year. You're definitely going to get it this year. Mm-hmm. Number two, there, there's complacency. There's injuries. There's stuff that happens. I watched USC in 2005 try to three-peat. And man, it was it was, you know, hold your hold your hats every game. Fresno State, it didn't matter. And you know, number three is it's hard to continue replacing that talent over and over and over again. And I don't think this is Georgia's most talented team of the past three years, but I still think it can win a national championship. Love that, uh, y'all! Hit like and subscribe. Join us back here not tomorrow night. Bark after dark is heading to Macon, Jake Rowe. Yeah, we got three hours tomorrow. Bill Shanks, uh, he he called in. He's he called me and Ruth in from the bullpen. Um, you know, he uh, he called us in, and uh, we're gonna do his show tomorrow. The super stations, I think it's Macon, Brunswick, Savannah. Uh, Bill's got stations all over South Georgia. So if you listen to ESPN Radio or, or if you listen to the Bill Shanks show at all, we will be taking that over for three hours tomorrow from three to six. And uh, we're going to be focused on getting that going tomorrow. And we kind of cancel Bark After Dark tomorrow night so that we can spend the day, uh, spend part of the day getting ready for it and not embarrass ourselves on the air. And uh, fingers crossed, no FCC violations. Yeah, I'm good luck with that. Uh, tell all of Central Georgia where they can find us. And uh, I know you will. Dogshq.com, the place to be. $1 for one month of premium access. Really fun message board back and forth as this college football season rolls on down the tracks. We'll be back here with another edition of The Georgia Show Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. So uh, follow along so you don't miss it when it goes live. Appreciate y'all tuning in on this one. We'll see you soon. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7, support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.